All of us make decisions that we're not gonna agree with. I've taken care of moms that have used drugs through their whole pregnancy, but you know what, when they come and deliver their baby, I love on them, I support them with no judgment and no questions asked. I give them the best tools for when they go home and how they can support their child. And I've taken care of patients that continuously make quote-unquote poor health decisions where we're like, we're talking to you about it all the time and they're still coming back. But you know what? We still love on them and we take care of them. No questions asked, no judgments. Again, I feel like my heart is to love on people. And if people that truly know me and know me as a person and know me as a nurse and a mother, they know that that's my heart and how I genuinely care for people. Hi, everyone. It's Bet. Before we get started today, I wanted to share with you that some of you may think my episode today is my boldest one yet. And as I was thinking about this episode, I know for some of you, you may choose to never listen to this podcast again. And as I thought about that, prayed about it, I still knew that my heart was telling me to proceed. Because at the end of the day, it's not about you and me. It's not about how many people like me or don't like me, how many people listen to this podcast or don't listen. It's about me listening to my heart and you listening to yours. So if the opinions of the world didn't matter to me, I know I would share this episode and interview people who think boldly, even if I agree with them or disagree with them. And maybe in some small way, it does help you to be bold too. Maybe it's to boldly unsubscribe, and that's okay too. Garen's story touched my heart, and well, maybe it'll touch yours too. Keep being bold, my friends. See you next time. This is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I am your host, Bette Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids, I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly, the world needs you. Welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas, and today I have the pleasure to speak with Garen Pito, and she just really touched my heart. I have been kind of watching her story through a social media lens, and like us all, I'm sure many of us only know like the tip of the iceberg of her story. And I, today I'm hoping to dive in a little deeper. Her post that really hit a heartstring with me and thousands and thousands of others. In fact, I should have checked the post today because it may be hundreds of thousands now. She was sharing about what was happening in her workplace as a nurse from a really raw and real place and that she was being treated differently due to some choices that she had made. This podcast has been all about people boldly sharing their story. 
and being brave and stepping into what they believe God has called them to be and to do. And from day one, I've shared with each one of you that that doesn't mean because I have six children, you should have six children. That does not mean that because I currently work outside the home that you should work outside the home. And the the examples are endless. But what I believe is that we need to encourage everyone to live the life they were called to live. And what Garen's story to me shows so clearly is that some people right now, I think they're being held back from that. And her story to me is so powerful. So I know you are all here to listen to her, not me. As we get started, I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. What do you do about your family, your husband, and where you live, just to help the listeners get to know you a little bit better? Yeah, sure. My name is Garen Pito. I'm a registered nurse in Southern California. I've been a nurse for six years now, wife to um, firefighter for LA City, and mother of two beautiful children. I have a son who's almost three and a daughter who's a little over one years old. So they keep us very busy, but it is, yeah. (laughs) But it's such a blessing to be a mom. And I'm so grateful for that. Shared my story a few months, was it a month ago, a little over a month ago, just with everything that was going on for me personally and what I was experiencing in the workplace. And I'm so humbled and grateful for all the support that I've received. I think that a lot of people have resonated um, with my story because a lot of what we're being fed is from the media and we don't get to see how it's actually affecting real people, how these mandates are affecting frontline workers. So when I shared my story, I definitely did not think that it was going to make such an impact. So I'm very humbled by that. But I also think it just shows that people are in our corner, that they are being very supportive of medical choice and freedoms. And I think there's just this rise in this community of people that are just starting to share their voices and use their voices to be bold and share, you know, what they're going through and share that we can have different opinions on things, but we can come together as a country and still support one another and support each other's freedoms. I'm so grateful you did decide to share your story because you probably wouldn't have been here today. And I hope more and more people hear your story. So you're a nurse, Mm -hmm. your husband's a fireman. Let's talk rewind during kind of early pandemic and healthcare workers and frontline workers. You were all the heroes of the day. You really were. We, you know, people were saying, thank you. You were going to work when many of us were remote working. You didn't have that capability, right? You were, yeah. you had to show up. And at that time, a lot of us didn't know what COVID was doing or how serious it was. I mean, it was so early in the process. What was that like for you as a mom and as a, a worker? What was that like? Yeah, I have never experienced healthcare and working the way that it was in the early pandemic. You know, to be honest, when everything was first coming out, my husband and I were nervous because again, you know, we as healthcare workers and frontliners don't really get the choice to sit it out or stay home. And we have to show up and we do show up because that when we got our jobs is what we are signed up to do, to be there for the community when they need us the most and to care for people when they need us the most. And 
we were we were a bit nervous. We were very cautious at the beginning of the pandemic. We didn't really see our families much just because we we didn't know a lot about this virus. It was difficult. And, you know, like you were saying, the community really rallied behind us. Um, I remember people were checking in consistently, sending text messages, phone calls, making masks because there was a time where we didn't have enough PPE. We were re-wearing the same masks over a couple days at work, which research shows isn't even good for your health. We should be changing them out. But in any case, students were writing us letters, kids were drawing us pictures, people were dropping those off at the hospital. And just you're my hero. We had people making signs and just really grateful for the frontliners and the healthcare community. So it's been really interesting to see that shift, you know, now these past couple months, because we're still the same people. We're still the same people that have showed up during the pandemic. I'm still showing up now to my job because I want to work. I love my job. My husband loves his job. I believe that being a nurse and a firefighter is definitely a calling for a lot of people. And it's been really difficult to kind of feel that pushback. And now that pullback of support over a medical decision. So we're here today and many maybe of our listeners, I mean, I have listeners all over the world. I have listeners in many different countries, states. You are in California, yep. right? Yes. And in the state of California, what changed to make you want to write this post a month ago? What started changing and what brought that on? You know, we received the California Public Health ordinance that healthcare workers needed to be vaccinated by a certain date. And at that time, it was October 1st. So my hospital released that policy. They were allowing for religious and medical exemptions to our knowledge at that time. So I went ahead and applied for a religious exemption. About a week after applying, I received that my exemption was accepted. So I was really grateful. It was, I feel like in our community, we were one of the first to really kind of see where the direction of the exemptions were going. But I had known some friends that weren't receiving exemptions. They were actually being denied. So I was really, really grateful that mine was accepted. So after that October 1st deadline, when everybody had their exemptions in place or had made their decisions... We then received a policy, so just a new letter from our hospital that stated that unvaccinated workers were no longer allowed inside to eat or drink, which was kind of mind-boggling to me because we had been working the entire pandemic and there was no rules against us being included in common break rooms at the time. So it was just suddenly after you know, my exemption was approved, I was no longer allowed to be inside. I was also being required to be tested twice a week and produce a negative test to be able to work. And that also was a little mind boggling to me because we know and the science shows that vaccinated individuals can still get and transmit COVID. I felt like I was one of the safest in the building because I actually knew my status. I knew that I had a negative test. So to be discriminated against basically is what it came down to. And they were punitive policies. So on that day that that letter had come out, my boss came up to me and one other girl that I was working with. 
and in front of everyone had just said, just to let you guys know, you're no longer allowed to eat or drink inside. And we had to start wearing a special mask, which is an N95 mask, which during the entire pandemic, we were not required to do. So it just felt at that moment that these policies were meant to be punitive. So I remember <laughs> one of my charge nurses looked at me because I was so upset when that, that said person had come and said that. And I genuinely think that, and I know that she has a good heart. I just think that she's following orders, but that's a whole problem in itself because we know that was wrong. I think everybody in that room knew what she was saying was wrong. And a lot of people had come up to me after she had left and said, like, I'm so sorry, this is so wrong. I can't believe that this is happening to you. This is so wrong. So I did receive a lot of support from my coworkers, but nobody said anything. So nobody stood up to say, this is wrong in that moment. And so my charge nurse came up to me. She's like, why don't you go take a break? And so I went and took my break outside (laughs) because that's the only place that I was allowed to. And actually in that moment was really grateful that I could be outside because I was very upset. I called my husband. I mean, we had kind of had many conversations about what it would look like if we were both forced to get the vaccine. And at that time, we were both very strong in that we didn't feel comfortable in that moment to receive it. And so when I called him, he said, are you fired? Did they let you go? You know, what's going on? Because I couldn't even speak. I was crying. I was so upset. And so I remember sitting down and I took that picture and I sent it to a group of my girlfriends. And while I was waiting for them to reply, I just started praying. I'm a Christian and I find my comfort in the Lord. And I just started praying. And I remember it was a gloomy day and the sun kind of broke through and hit my back. And I just felt like God was like, I'm here. I hear you and you're in my hands. I've got you. And it was really powerful to me because in that moment, I also felt so much peace. I don't think that without the Lord, I would have felt so at peace with everything going on, but doesn't make it any less hard in a sense. So I sent that picture to my girlfriends and one of them was like, you have to share this with people. And at the time, I think I had like, it was mostly family and friends that had followed me on Instagram, but I shared it and people just continued to share my story over and over and over. And this is you know, where I am today. And I'm so, so humbled by all the support. It was very overwhelming at first, but then I felt like it was also so encouraging because there's so many people who feel alone and feel like there's no one that, you know, maybe is in their corner that thinks that what's happening is not okay. And I think it's just an example that it's not okay. And we can all stand together and that there's so many people that are feeling the same way that you do. Yeah. And what I found interesting about your post and I, what I'm finding when people are speaking up is there are a lot of probably nurses that were your coworker that day that are vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee watching that they still didn't feel that was okay. And I think that that is what your post resonated with was you can agree with Garen's choice or you can disagree with Garen's choice, but the fact that she doesn't have a choice and right. that her her livelihood and someone who showed up for us during a time when most of us were pretty scared, kind of like you and your husband. You know, my husband and I, I was pregnant with my youngest. He and I are not normally like 
overly scared about things, we were more conservative too. And we knew people that had passed away and we didn't know what to expect either. But I think where my heart breaks is that I should never know what's best for you and your children and your husband. And that to me is when that's a problem. And it's for my children too. I, as their mother, what I decide should be up to my husband and I, not based on I'm scared to lose my job or my children can't go to school. Like that is problematic to me. So I, I actually would like to, if you're okay with it, Garen, I'd like to read your post from that day. Sure. Absolutely. For over five years, I've advocated for patients for bodily autonomy, respecting their medical choices, even if I may have disagreed with them. Today, I was told I would no longer be able to sit inside to eat or drink while working my shift. I can no longer commune in the break room with my fellow coworkers. I was told I need to sit outside in the name of health to protect vaccinated individuals. Sorry, I thought that was the vaccine's job, but moving on. Mind you, I am also required to get tested every shift and need a negative test to be able to work. So if I'm negative, why am I required to sit outside? So here I am, outside during my break, swollen-eyed because I genuinely can't believe someone could make a policy like this and then actually carry it out. A policy of segregation and discrimination based on a medical choice. It's not even about the vax or health anymore. It feels like it's about politics and compliance. Will you comply or how far can you push until you do? I shouldn't even have to explain my choice to not receive the jab. That's between me and my doctor. I am tired. I am tired of the constant battles of these policies that make zero sense. So here we are in 2021. Someone might as well make a sign over my table that says unvaxxed individuals only. Where is the line? When is enough enough? There are a lot of people that might be vaccinated. They knew something didn't feel right. right. And I think where I really hear you is that it'd be one thing if the vaccination prevented transmission. And that was kind of the initial guidance out there. That was what was being said. Well, this is preventing transmission. So by getting vaccinated, you're preventing transmission. And yet that is not the case. You can still get it in transmit. Well, it's never been the case. <laughs> That fallacy that you suddenly are immune to anything related to any virus once you get a vaccine is so not true. So it was really interesting to me when they started coming out with the vaccine. They're like, this is our way out. If you get vaccinated, almost like we'll give you back your freedom. <laughs> but freedom, I mean, it's something to definitely fight for. And so just the fact that they're like, hold these freedoms hostage until you do is just really disturbing to me. Because again, the vaccine, and you talk to many doctors, like it's not meant to make you immune. It just helps to boost your immune system so that when you do come in contact, you potentially will have lesser side effects, but you can still get it and transmit it. So it's not a force field. <laughs> you don't just, there's a lot of people that are like, well, I'm vaccinated so I can return to my normal life. I do believe that God gives us immune systems. I do believe that we haven't done enough research into natural immunity like we do with every other virus and every other disease. And that it's interesting to me, like this narrative, like the vaccine is a one size fits all 
prevent all. And in medicine has never been that way. It's never been a one size fits all. And we've always considered natural immunity. So it's interesting now that we're no longer considering that. And if you ask questions, you're ostracized and you're not, I know a lot of people as much good comments that I received on that. I had a lot of people saying, well, we don't really want you taking care of my family member if you choose not to get vaccinated. And that to me is just I don't understand that in a sense, because I've taken care of them this whole time. You know, we obviously take preventative measures and I was getting tested. And so I genuinely got into nursing because I care about people and I care about health and I care that they make it out on the other side. And I think that has a lot to do with like education on preventative measures so that we keep you out of the hospital. And so it's really disheartening just to hear this whole, like, you don't believe in science, but As nurses and in my education, I was always told to ask questions, to critically think, to observe what's happening around us. And so just now, you know, in this situation, we're being told that you either follow this one narrative or you're you're no longer valuable to us. And I think that that's really detrimental when you think about healthcare because in healthcare we should always be asking questions because healthcare is always evolving. So it's been really difficult to see the medical community come out in this season and stand for that. Yeah, I mean, I just look at treatment of disease, cancer. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about mm-hmm. cancer. I mean, mm-hmm. look at how many different treatment strategies there are out there. A lot of them are in testing arenas where people have tried all the things and they're going to try this new medical therapy that's not even maybe approved. We should give that person the ability to say, well, this works for me. It doesn't work for you. And we can all look at examples probably in in our own family where a treatment worked for somebody And that same treatment didn't work for somebody else. Or I just think of even childbirth. You're a labor and delivery nurse. And think of all the different ways and options for childbirth. And imagine if I came to you, Garen, was like, you know what? This is the only way. This is the best way. I mean, every single one of my babies, it was different. Right. Every single one. Let's talk about natural immunity Mm -hmm. and the discussion around that. Do you know a lot of people in the medical field, your coworkers and in your husband's line of work that got COVID and now have natural immunity, have chosen that they do not want to get vaccinated? Have you seen a lot of them? And how has that gone over? Is there anyone giving credit to natural immunity? I personally have had COVID and I had it when I was pregnant. I knew that I had it. And so in my mind, and just what we know about natural immunity, that supersedes vaccinated immunity for any sort of disease and virus. So when I got it, I kind of was like, great. Like now I have a robust immune system against COVID and I'm so grateful for that. What's really interesting is though, Nobody was considering that. And I kind of, you know, like little red flags start going up. I was like, oh, they're going to really be pushing this vaccine. Like I, I, we kind of saw it with the masking and then it was like kind of the, the propaganda and the talk about this vaccine being this one size savior of everything related to COVID. And so I was like, I just knew deep down that that natural immunity wasn't going to be considered a thing. I think it's interesting that they're not studying it, really. There's no 
studies because we know a majority of population has gotten COVID. Like we know that for a fact. Um, we can see it in the numbers. So it's like, why are we not considering that as a first line defense? Like, great. So like, like the chickenpox, for example, if I got the chickenpox naturally when I was younger, great. Now I am technically immune. Or if I am exposed to it, my body will know how to react in a sense to protect me. It's upsetting to me that so many, like my husband's had it, my parents have had it, like everybody has had it. And my dad, for example, went and got his antibodies tested. And, you know, antibodies doesn't necessarily mean that you're immune. It just means that you are exposed. And he had a robust amount of antibodies. And my dad is actually at risk for seizures. He had a traumatic brain injury a few years ago. And so his neurologist was weary of him potentially getting side effects from the vaccine because we know that seizure is a side effect. So he said, let's just test you. Let's see if you've had it. And if you've had it, let's just wait and then we'll retest you later and see what your natural, if you still have natural immunity to it. And he had a robust amount of antibodies at the time. And his neurologist said, you don't need to get the vaccine at this point in time. And I was so grateful for that because I feel like a lot of the people in the medical community aren't really questioning. It's just like this push, like, no, everybody needs to get it. Everybody you know, no matter your circumstance, and we're not considering the person individually, which we always have done in medicine. So yeah, I'd love to see more tests on natural immunity and six months down the line from having COVID or a year from like, what does it look like? I think from there, you know, science is always evolving, then we can make more informed decisions on, you know, whether or not you want the vaccine. I know for me at this certain point of time, I just don't feel comfortable. I think that there needs to be a lot of research done, research related to this vaccine, and it just recently was approved. So that doesn't mean a year from now that I'll think differently with the research. And I think that that should be considered. Like I I hate that there's this deadline, like either you get it or you lose your livelihood. You can't put food on the table for your children. I think that it's not okay and it's wrong. Yeah. And I think questioning things in the medical community has always been embraced. And what to me is odd is that you ask questions, you're either losing your license, you're losing your job, you're being labeled a conspiracy theorist. And right. and a lot of them are fair questions around natural immunity or certain at-risk populations and certain not at-risk populations, but at-risk for different things. And, and I love that with your dad's neurologist, that's what doctors and patients should be doing, weighing the risk versus benefit analysis for any any medical treatment, and it really should be none of our business what they figure out is the best path. Yeah, and I think that's been one of the hardest things for me. Everybody's so involved in each other's care. It's like a common question anywhere you go. You could be like out at the beach and people are like, are you vaccinated? It's like, we. I never asked anybody their vaccination status ever prior, mm-hmm. you know, even at even working as a nurse, I never really, really looked at people's vaccination status. I mean, granted, it wasn't, you know, the specific area that I was working in, but I never once asked anybody. And so it saddens me that people feel this like sense of righteousness to ask one another their personal medical history when it should be no one's business. And that was a point, you know, of my post, like, I should be having these discussions with my doctor and my doctor only. It was a constant conversation amongst my coworkers, my boss. It was like, well, why don't you want to get it? I'm like, I don't, I shouldn't have to explain 
this to you. And then like with the whole religious exemptions, like we're required to write a personal statement and like prove the validity of your religion or, you know, your belief system. And that to me is just a government overreach and should not be tolerated from employers as well, because I shouldn't have to prove how much I believe in something, you know, like I should be able to say, I have a strongly held religious belief. And I mean, it's in the constitution, right? (laughs) Be able to move forward, like with the flu vaccine this year, they came around to the paper and said, do you want it or do you not want it? And you just signed yes or no. And that was it. You didn't have to. And I'm like, why are we treating COVID so differently? Like, what is it about this vaccine? It just raises a lot of red flags for me. I do think it's interlinked with, you know, freedom, freedom to choose and medical freedom um, at this point in time. I think for me, I've never told anybody not to get the vaccine. And if they genuinely want it, I think that they should have that right. And I support their right to get it. I know people in different circumstances that it might be the best choice for them and their family at the time. And I think that they should get it. If they're really truly scared or fearful that this virus may affect them or a loved one, like they have that opportunity to make that choice for their family. But I should also have that opportunity to make a different choice for my family. We, again, have gotten COVID. I fully believe in my God-given immune system. It's a hard talk to have with somebody who truly believes that. But again, like when I'm working at the hospital, I know that I don't have it. I'm tested. I'm, I'm negative. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to needing somebody to save a family member's life or whether or not they're vaccinated, 99.9% of the people are going to say, I just want you to save my family member's life. It's not going to, my vaccination status isn't going to matter at that point. I know that I'm a good nurse. I know that my patients receive great care when they're in my hands and I will continue to advocate All of us make decisions that we're not going to agree with. I've taken care of moms that have used drugs through their whole pregnancy. But you know what? When they come and deliver their baby, I love on them. I support them with no judgment and no questions asked. And I give them the best tools for when they go home and how they can support their child and whatever it is. I've taken care of patients that continuously make quote unquote poor health decisions where we're like, we're talking to you about it all the time and they're still coming back. But you know what? We still love on them and we take care of them. No questions asked, no judgments. Again, I feel like my heart is to love on people. And if people that truly know me and know me as a person and know me as a nurse and a mother, and they know that that's my heart and how I genuinely care for people. Hey friends, it's Beth. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guest. You know, it's interesting prior to kind of COVID pandemic, I was hearing from 
many of my friends that work in the medical fields that there was a shortage of nurses and a shortage of hospital beds at times. And that was for a whole host of reasons. And I'm sure every area is different. Some of them are complaining that the ERs were overwhelmed and that they were overwhelmed because a lot of people use ERs for their primary care issues. They don't have a primary care physician or a provider. And so you know, I would hear from social workers in the hospitals that their job is to literally get people out of the hospital and make room for people that need those beds. And I found it interesting that now all of a sudden there's all this talk about shortages and beds and all of these issues. And yet there are so many people in the medical field right now that are losing their jobs. I think at the height of the pandemic, I actually had a lot of friends that work in the ER and they said they weren't actually that busy because a lot of people were scared to even come to the hospital because everybody was very scared of COVID. So now it's interesting just seeing friends that work in the ER and actually was just having this discussion with my pediatrician the other day, like they're almost more overwhelmed now because of the fear related to COVID. Like people are very fearful and it's very sad to see. For example, kids are being sent home from school with if they have a sniffle in their nose. And so a lot of pediatrician doctor's offices can't see everybody, you know, and so then their choice to be able to get cleared and go back to school is go to the ER. So it's almost like we've created this little bit of a hamster wheel, like people are going to the ER again because their primary care providers are overwhelmed because people are very fearful of what's going on, even though vaccinated or not. I do think like as far as the healthcare workers go and the frontliners go, like my husband, for example, he is at risk for being put on unpaid leave next month. I think that it's going to be a public safety issue. I think that we're firing frontline workers who are qualified and are good nurses, are good firefighters and know what they're doing. It's going to be detrimental to the public because there's not going to be enough staff. Like we're already short staffed. And so if we're letting go of workers, that's another person there to help during these times. I mean, in general, flu season is we're always short staff. It's always busy, right? During the holidays, every year as nurses, we kind of expect it. Like we're always short staffed. So to be firing people amongst in these times is really interesting to me, especially if we're in a pandemic. If we really are at a shortage and we need these people to work, why are we firing frontliners over a medical decision when you know we're taking all the precautions outside of that? So it's going to be a public safety issue. Like I was just talking to my husband about it the other day. If they start closing down fire stations because there aren't enough people. So say, you know, we call because somebody's having a heart attack or unable to breathe, but the fire station right next to your house is closed. So the next one coming is 12 minutes away. Well, that's life and death for a lot of people in those situations. So I don't think that people understand because everybody's so fixated on whether or not people are getting the vaccine or not, but you have to look at bigger picture and what's this going to do to your community and the people in your community and how it's going to affect you personally. Because right now it might not affect you, but it could affect you down the line. You know, I've had two family members, my grandma and my uncle, both die in car wrecks. Mm. However, in the car wreck that my grandma died in, my grandpa was in the car too. and. In those moments, kind of like you compared it to the nurse, 
my grandpa would have probably died too without those first responders. Mm-hmm. And taking a step back, and if you were in those shoes, would you say like out of pride, you'd say, oh, I don't, you're not vaccinated. I don't want you to help my, my right. grandpa. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Please save my grandpa. Please save my grandpa. Like my grandma died in on impact. There was nothing they could do. And same with my children. I mean, it almost like the repercussions are as such that response times are going to grow. Right. And so, I just hope everyone understands that. I hope we get what that means. Whether you live somewhere that's going to cause a safety issue due to less police force, whether it's a safety issue or response time due to paramedics and firefighters, or whether it's you show up to the hospital and they're shorter staffed. I just, these are people that put their life on the line every single day. A lot of the first responders do. Their lives, they're they're helping people that are drug addicted. There's mental health issues. There's, I mean, you name it. I'm sure your husband has some pretty crazy stories. And our military. Yeah, I would say they sacrifice not only their lives, but a lot of the time it, it, it's for our family too. Like they miss holidays because they're out serving the public. They miss family events because they're out serving the public. So you don't a lot of people don't understand, like as a first responder, as a nurse, like we give so my heart is to give to the community so much so that sometimes that sacrifices our family a little bit, but it's what we're called to do. And it's just been so hard to now be on this side of things and see just while there's amazing support and I'm so grateful, there's also like the naysayers that all of a sudden I'm not valuable I'm not qualified when I'm still the same person who was caring for your mom or your aunt two months ago. That's what's been really difficult. But I also just, in this whole scheme of things, I don't think it's just even like a battle of us against each other. I think there's a bigger like spiritual battle that's going on. I do think a lot of people are starting to step up because of their convictions and what they're seeing. So I'm so grateful for that too. Just that stance that people are standing um, united together, vaccinated or not. And that's the biggest thing. Like I want the message and the community to, to know, like, I don't care about your vaccine status. I just care that you get the choice to be able to do so. Um, I care that your children in the future get that same choice as well. So that's been my biggest thing of stepping out because I just think about my kids. I want my kids to be growing up in a community, in a world where they have a voice, where they can critically think, where they can make choices for themselves. And I think that right now is really setting the precedent for the future. And so that's what really motivates me to continue to speak and encourage others to speak up because it's no longer about us. And just because something doesn't affect you right now, you might find your hard line later. You know, maybe it's something else that is going to be mandated and you're like, wait a second, I maybe it's the booster. Maybe people got the shot and they're like, I don't feel comfortable with getting the booster. Well, guess what? That's going to be part of your job description now or whatever it is. And so it's like, I'm fighting for those people too, because I think that they deserve every right to have chosen to get the vaccine, but maybe they don't feel comfortable at the time getting the booster. And so I'm fighting for those people as well. So I just continue to 
tell people to stand up, use their voice to just advocate for medical freedom. I remember in high school, and I am older than you, I think this may (laughs) date me, but in high school, there was these bracelets and they were the WWJD bracelets. Oh, I know those ones. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those. And (laughs) some people kind of made fun of them or whatever, or some people loved them or whatever. Right. But I guess for me, and someone else might have a different response, and we have a lot of different faith backgrounds out there, but what would Jesus do in this moment? Mm -hmm. And I believe in my heart that Jesus wouldn't be treating people the way we're treating people. Right. And I believe that. I feel that. And I've never, ever in my life been able to say that I can treat someone poorly or or segregate them or hurt them based on us having different choices, and especially medical choices. So, And I look to other people that, to me, are the example of treating people with love and kindness and embracing differences. And I'd like to think that they would think that too. And that's where I'm kind of calling out to people out there that just like Garen said, this may not be your your line. This may not be your issue. You may not be bothered by this, but there is a precedent being set here. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you could call it boiling the frog slowly. You can call it, you know, it's a slippery slope. You know, sometimes people will say, well, Garen, for your job before, why does this matter? Because you know, you had to be vaccinated on certain things before, or someone will say, use that same example at the schools. And so I've been kind of trying to do some research on that because I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. But the medical people that I have been asking and the people that the school level was that prior to this, exemptions were not hard to receive. The flu vaccine was not a requirement. You may have a different thing on your badge. You may have different things, but it was not a requirement because I do think that's a pushback that a lot of people will say, well, why is this different? Yeah, for sure. But like you just said, even this year, the flu vaccine isn't required. So it's interesting that, again, this vaccine in itself is absolutely required. I also, just to the people saying like, I've been vaccinated before, You have to understand, too, those vaccines have been around for way longer. And like I said earlier, how I feel now might change in a year with more data and more safety and efficacy data. We don't know. So I might still feel the same or I might be like, you know what, I'm seeing a lot more and I've changed my mind. Great. And I think that that is okay, And that's how it should be. We should be weighing risk benefit all the time when it comes to our medical care. And I think that that to me makes so much sense, meaning like whatever your choice is, the ability to change your mind, the ability to evolve, the ability to learn and constantly weighing your specific situation. Right. And that would be no matter who you are, what choices you've made, to me, that makes so much sense. What doesn't make sense is when someone tells me, this is the way, this is the only way. And if you think differently than that, like that raises red flags to me, no matter what we're talking about. Right. Because there has never been only one way. There has never been only one path. And that to me, I think is why so many people are kind of like perking up a little bit, no matter what they believe, because they're saying that if you apply that 
to life. That doesn't make sense. That does not make sense. Schooling choices. So thank you for answering that because I have had a lot of friends. I've actually asked a few schools because I said, hey, you know, what happens if somebody doesn't want to be vaccinated on, you know, X, Y, and Z? What's the process? It's been really interesting. Oh, it's no big deal. You just have to sign this. And yeah, yeah, you still get to go to school. And I know California has been the strictest of many of the states. I know that So for California, they actually don't even accept religious exemptions for school age. It has to be a medical exemption. But even now, I know so many doctors who are just scared to even write medical exemptions, even though people have may have a true medical exemption, because the California Board of Medicine, they will take away your license if you write too many, or if you can't prove exactly what you're... So a lot of doctors are threatened with their livelihood, you know, to provide medical exemptions. One doctor that I had spoken to, to get an exemption, or he said, I literally can only write exemptions now because he used to, you know, he said, but I've been told I can only write exemptions now if somebody is in a coma. Like that's how... Oh my. Yeah. And I'm like, well, and you know, many medical exemptions too, like you know, you have to like prove that you have a reaction to it. So that means you have to get it before you even get the medical exemption, even though you might have like a allergy to something that the vaccine is created with, whatever it is. So it's really disheartening because that just, I mean, that takes away the chance of a medical exemption as well, you know, for people who have true medical exemptions. Another touchy subject that people don't seem to want to talk about. And then if you talk about it, you get kind of ostracized. But why do you believe we haven't been talking at all about preventative measures? And, you know, during this, we already were struggling with rampant type 2 diabetes, which is a disease based on diet and lifestyle. Right. We all have to, you know, not type 1, type 2. Right. Right. We're struggling with childhood obesity. The figures that are coming out are just so disheartening on what happened during the pandemic. The increase of screen time, the increase of fast food, the increase of uh, sedentary lifestyle, what it did to our children and their health, let alone we, you know, we shut down gyms, a lot of places that people recreated and got movement and exercise. Why do you think we're not talking about preventative health? Why aren't we talking when when that is the majority of the cases that we are seeing do have numerous comorbidities and are struggling in other areas of their health? Yeah. Uh, there are Yes, there are healthy people too, but in general, COVID has taken a really hard hit on populations that have type 2 diabetes, are obese. Uh, Why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we helping people? Yeah, I think, you know, America, we're what the most unhealthy nation, (laughs) which is really sad. I think that we are lazy as a community, to be honest. Like, I think that it's so easy. Like we want the instant gratification. That's why when everybody was like, even though we know all the risk factors for like COVID, for example, are, you know, being overweight and obese, all these like comorbidities, for example. So it's something that takes work in preventative care. When you talk about exercise, diet, it's obedience and prioritizing your health which a lot of people just want the quick fix. I think that's why fast food is ever so growing. It takes time to cook 
healthy meals at home, but you know, it takes two minutes to go through a drive through for unhealthy food. I think there's like this ever growing like hamster wheel dependency on big pharma too. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to your doctor and instead of them saying like, wow, you know, we should be examining A, B, and C to get you to a healthier state. And that could prolong your life. It's like, take this pill. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, you have high blood pressure instead of like, let's work out and let's examine your diet. People are like, take this pill, you know? And so we're so reliant. And then you have a customer for life. Like it's not healthcare, it's sick care. I think that there needs to be a, like for COVID, they were giving away free donuts. If you go get a shot, like, why are we not during that time? Why are we not saying like, Hey, if you get this COVID vaccine, let's support our farmers, our local farmers. Let's get you a box of fruits and vegetables sent to your home for health and wellness to keep you on a healthy preventive. Like that to me was so difficult coming as a medical professional to see that. I'm just like, how are we offering free McDonald's and donuts? Like we know that that's not, or Starbucks, like we know that those aren't good for our health and keeping us, our immune systems robust and up, you know, why are we not addressing these issues to begin with? But again, I feel like it's this ever revolving hamster wheel. And I think money has a lot to do with it. When you're dependent on big pharma, they make a ton of money. And I think that's our, where our healthcare is going, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that like anything, there's no shortcuts in life and there's no shortcuts to health. There really isn't. And no matter how much I do think we are all inherently lazy. I mean, and, and I will be the first one to admit it. I still don't get excited you know, it's really yeah. pouring down rain. I still don't get excited to go like move my body some days. I'm like, oh, or sure, would I much prefer to eat something unhealthy that day right. than healthy? Right. And but I, I also think that every guest that I've had on this show that has taken steps in their health journey, almost all of them have eliminated or greatly reduced the medication they're on. I mean, yeah. it's like it's yeah. substantial and. It's like, but we don't want to talk about it. And I also think that there is this component now where if you talk about it, you're also, that's shaming. Right. You're shaming someone for being right. overweight. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, no, no. no we love we you. Want, yes. <laughs> we love yes, you. Yeah. But yeah. We, it, yeah. It's like the elephant in the room. Right. It's like, you right. can't talk about that. And because that might be shaming someone that by not talking about it, we're making it worse. Yeah. We're making it worse. And I feel like, what's the one kid movie where it's in the future, is it home, where they're in the future and the the people are just sitting in like a recliner type motorized chair and the food is just coming through the drink and they have a screen in front of them and it's kind of creepy because it kind of feels like, you know, where we're going. But the message I just want to send out there, everybody, is that Preventative health matters. And we've been in this over a year and a half now. And we've got to make sure that we are taking steps because increasing our screen time, our sedentary lifestyle Mm -hmm. and eating fast food is not helping us. And it's not helping our children when like the stats were just so disheartening. And that doesn't even address other health things like mental health and suicide rates and 
I was just working with a health coach, you know, me personally, when I was postpartum, because I was like, I just don't feel like my best self. And I want to give, it's not about weight. It's just about like, I'm tired. Like I don't have energy. Like this is not normal for me. So I started working with a health coach and I was, had to be very disciplined on what I was putting into my body, like very thoughtful about what I was putting into my body, making sure that I got exercise every day. And I think that when we start prioritizing those things, it becomes a lifestyle, right? And so then we have less doctor visits. We aren't dependent on the healthcare system. So yeah, I definitely encourage people preventative care. It's not the easiest way. There's other ways that are quick fix, but nothing that brings fruit. Like I love this quote, like nothing that bears fruit is easy. Like it takes hard work and labor, for example, labor is hard. Labor pushes you, you know, to the extremes of being uncomfortable, pain, like all these different things. But what do you get at the end of it? You get a beautiful baby, like the hardest thing in your life, it bears the best outcome. And so I just think like when we start thinking about our health that way, it's more joyful and more enjoyable. Like I'm doing this, you know, for my future, I want to stay around, I want to be healthy for my kids. I want to be the best wife that I can be. And so when we have that mental way of thinking about it, I think that it makes it again, more joyful and something that we want to strive for. So much of that, so much. And I have a big theory that by prioritizing our health, we can give back more. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has been something that health has been thought of as selfish or vanity. And a big part of this podcast is challenging that. And that's exactly what you honed in on. Yeah. Well, Garen, this has been so enlightening, very educational for me. As we close, I love to just ask, like, what is your piece of bold advice for the listeners? Yeah, I just want to encourage everybody, your voice matters. Sometimes people feel so alone, but it just takes one person in a community to encourage others to be brave and bold and stand up. Although you may not agree with everything or solely agree with somebody, it's so important to continue to use your voice and it matters and you matter. And I'm just so grateful for everybody that is continuing to stand up and be bold. You inspire me and I know you will inspire others to be bold on their journey. So thank mm. you for being here, Garen. And thank you for having me. I wish me. you and your husband and your children all the best. I know this has been hard and challenging, sure. <laughs> but I'm, I'm hopeful like you that this is bearing much fruit, even though it's been a hard, trying journey. All the best. Thank, thank you, you for your time today very, very much. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, vetlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you. You.